Are you one of the only on your job? Do you wonder why the same type of people continue getting promotions? Have you dreamed of getting to the top but don't know how? Welcome to Secrets, a podcast devoted to showcasing dilemmas faced by underrepresented employees in their quest to climb the career ladder. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have experienced the corporate grind for more than 20 years. Now they want to share adventures, pitfalls, and C-suite secrets that they've learned along the way. So let's fill up those cups and get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Secrets. So, Ricky, what's happening today? What's on your mind, brother? Oh, man, just uh, doing this shelter in place, you know, trying to keep my hands clean and not touch my face. You know how it is. Yeah. I've been yeah. Uh, doing a lot of eating, picking up some LBs and OZs. There you okay. go. But I've also been doing a lot of thinking, Keith. Oh, goodness. <laughs> So I was thinking, I just had this thought and I couldn't shake it, right? I was thinking to myself back uh, when we used to work together many years ago and I called you on the way into work and it was about something. Oh, this feels like trouble already. Yeah, it was about something totally different. And you shocked my system that day. You said, man, today is going to be my last day. My last day. I remember that day. (laughs) I was like, last day, what is going on? So Yeah, so, so. Talk to me, Keith. What like what was going on there? Yeah, I mean, it was cr- that was a crazy day, Ricky. I do remember it, and for me, it was just so many things that were lining up. It wasn't about the money or these things. It was just kind of like my health and my sanity was just on fire, right? And I was just done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so, so I mean, you was ready to just to give it up, money, I, I, everything. I, I, I was ready to jump. I was, I was done. It, it was over. So obviously I'm listening to this just the same way I'm hearing it today was probably how I felt then. I can just remember at that point in time, I had to kind of come in as the voice of reason and you were and try to talk to you about like the reality of the situation. Pull the and, brother off the ledge. And what the short term versus the long term plan are like the impacts. You know, absolutely. This, and it was what? good. It was great that we were able to speak and just then just kind of step back and just talk about what's a proper transition plan and strategy to kind of get the actual results that I'm trying to achieve, because otherwise it would have been a total train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was a train wreck before we got to that. So I, I can understand how you came to that decision. For but, sure. But today, what I wanted to do for our listeners is I wanted to be able to kind of put this into context, you know, for folks. So in today's episode, we're going to share with you some of our personal experiences with knowing when and how to leave your job, role, company, or whatever work situation that you have. We're also going to try to provide for you some additional examples from our mentees or people that we've mentored about situations that they've been in that may have been similar to this as well. And then finally, we want to be able to talk to you about like some potential professional and personal negative outcomes from exiting the wrong way or not exiting at all. Like what can that actually do to you? And I'll I'll say when we close, I think people come to enjoy these things here, but we're going to give you some secrets (laughs) for how and when to say bye-bye to your job and leave the correct way. For sure. For sure. This is going to be a good episode here. So, so Keith, as I'm thinking this through again, like as I'm reliving this great day in American history, tell us 
what was going through your mind that day and what drove you to that conclusion? I mean, obviously, you didn't just wake up that morning and feel like you wanted to leave. So just kind of walk our listeners through kind of what was going through your mind then. Absolutely. And I think like many of us, we've all had bad days and there's all kind of days that we've had when we're just like, screw this. And I think this was just, it was just been building where we'd been working in an environment where folks were unappreciative of what we were doing. No matter what we did, we couldn't win. People didn't understand the complexity of what we were dealing with. We were involved with a heavily matrixed organization where you had different gods that you had to be accountable to. And then there's also like some shady shit that was going on. It just didn't make you feel right. And so just through all of that, it was building and building and building. And then right before I called you, I just had one of those phone calls with one of these people where I was just like, it's a wrap. I'm out. <laughs> I can't. I'm not doing it anymore. I don't care. And real quick, I know when we think about, and, and just to just to provide, again, context to this, when you start thinking about the other stuff, and I know we've even covered some of these external, external issues static. and static that you have to deal with, but when you even start at this level in the game, when you start thinking about unethical stuff, we don't want to be on the hook for any of that unethical None stuff. None of that stuff. That's right. When it None comes of that to stuff. Like, anything that may potentially put your freedom at risk mm-hmm. or your credibility in terms of you being able to get another gig. That's like, right. We don't want that to be the no, case. No, and, and it doesn't. And the good thing was is that because we had a relationship together that I knew I could just call you, even though I knew I was crazy and frantic or whatever, <laughs> I knew that if I called you, you would give me some good advice. At least right. I had a trusted confidant who would give me a voice of reason. And one of the things I really appreciated, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're like, okay. Let's just develop an exit strategy. You can leave on your own terms. Don't let these people run you out of here, which is probably what they want anyway. And, and but, run you out without getting your bread. And run me out without getting my bread. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it all, it all worked out really, really well for me because after that, we spent three, four months Really just mapping out my exit. So it worked out in a way that it was on my own terms. It was comfortable for everybody involved and there were no issues. So, And I think you still got that bonus when you left too. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I made sure that I got every crumb that I could get at, at the end of the day. So Ricky, I also remember as we've talked, you had one of those times early on in your career where you actually left some crumbs on the table. So why don't you tell people about that? Yeah. So it wasn't really crumbs. Yeah, it wasn't really crumbs. I could tell you that for sure. Like it was uh, slices of bread. Man, I don't even know. This was like, this wasn't even like the end of the bread. This was in the middle. This was like the good shit that I left on the table, right? I can just, you know, remember I had a similar experience where there were unethical things happening at the organization. I knew I wanted to leave the company and I found out some stuff about someone that I reported into who was having a bit of an inappropriate relationship Mm. and, and whatnot. So, I was probably in that company. Exactly. I was a bit expendable when I kind of found that out. And I I totally get it. Right. And it just, I'm in my early twenties. I don't really know how to kind of handle it, but I had been with the company for a good minute at that point. But my, my situation kind of ended a little differently. So 
I just played my hand wrong. Like it was time for me to leave the organization. They offered me a severance package. Remind me not to play spades with you. (laughs) I played my hand wrong. You know, that was back then, right? So they offered me a little shy of like, Thirty thousand dollars, like on my severance. Well, package. that's more than crumbs. It was, that's it was, it was painful when I think about it. What that thirty thousand could have helped me do oh, sure. in my. Well, you know what? I think I was closer on the latter end of my twenties, so closer to thirty. But again, that could have really a helped lot of bills transition me. Stuff, right? That could have been some school debt I could have paid for, whatever the case is. But my rationale for not taking the money. Okay, was if I take this, I'm admitting that I did something wrong when it really wasn't even about me. It wasn't even about you. Yeah, it it wasn't wasn't even about about me. And I spent a lot of time contemplating over it. I didn't, I had a ton of legal resources. I really didn't consult people. I was probably a bit embarrassed at like, wait a minute, I think I'm getting fired. You know, all of these types of things. All of that internal guilt and stuff you probably yourself. Because you know, it's like. You're not Catholic, are you? No. No, 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 I'm not. But man, it was a tough situation for me, but I didn't have anyone to speak to. Mm-hmm. And I like really, I did. Yeah, and, and okay. I just didn't handle it right. I mean, so I learned a tremendous amount of information from that scenario that has really shaped and guided my career and helped me help other people for sure. up until this point. Like but me. it was a costly lesson, you know, oh, to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of bread to leave <laughs> yeah, on the exactly, table. Exactly, exactly. So I, I think about that, but these are like just our, you know, reasons this, or rationale, absolutely. you know, for like situations that we've been in. But I mean, there's a ton of additional reasons or examples of why people leave For jobs. sure, for sure. And I was looking online and there's a blog written by this lady named Allison Doyle. And, you know, in her blog, she listed like a ton of reasons that may resonate with you all about why people just consider leaving their jobs. You know, first and foremost, you know, it's like I talked about, it's a difficult work environment. You just hate your job. Yeah. I mean, we can all probably have that message resonate with us. But again, even though you hate your job. You need to figure, still need to figure (laughs) stuff out. That's right. You can only hate it so much. Or you may have found a better job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, in that article, I know that she also mentioned like a reason or an example for people leaving might be illness or whether that's personal or family. Mm -hmm. And again, I think we mentioned in dealing with that external static. We also talk about this in some of our other shows where we mention FMLA and some of those other things. And we, you know, we will, we'll, we'll speak to that later in this, but Again, those are reasons why people tend to leave or even trying to go back to school. Just go back to school. People trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know, people trying, trying to figure trying it out. Trying to move on, trying to change a career, trying to pivot, whatever the case yeah. may be. It could be like the scheduling or like the hours. I mean, I can tell you I worked at a job at a UPS. I wasn't there very long, Not man. Not very I think, long. That's I right. think I was there about two days. And, uh, and that was it. That was a wrap. It started at three in the morning and I was supposed to end by seven and I thought I could go to class <laughs> after that. Man, That I no, it didn't work for no. me. I mean, that works for some people, but that didn't work for didn't me. didn't work for you. That's I right. I probably could have thought about that better, probably could have worked some things out. But again, it could be scheduling. It could be the hours. Some people don't want to work on Absolutely. the weekend. Some people don't want to for do- For sure. You know, and I'm sure that events. whole thing of working at UPS is another reason you you figured you need a career change. It's just like, this is not going to be my game. <laughs> well, they told me I was going to be working the mail, okay? Right. They told I was going to be working the, working the mail. And then the sister, that was, the sister that was humping, she was throwing those boxes. She says, nah, baby, you're not going to be working the mail uh, uh, for a minute. That's a job you got to post for. You got to post for. And she said, you, you don't need have promotion. enough. She said, you don't have enough seniority. I'm going to get that job for you do. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Duly okay. noted. I'm about to go on break. About to go on break. Yeah. <laughs> Which means it's time to move on. Yeah. Which 
take yeah. us to another reason. You may have to relocate, you know? So I've relocated, as I mentioned before, you like a number of times, but we need to think through those relocation questions and, and, and why you're doing it. So. Yeah, I mean, you could also have like a, you could be in a contract or a temporary position and you have like a permanent role you're coming up. I know sometimes people want to wait for the for the contract role to turn into something, but sometimes it may not. You know, you may be waiting for something that may not necessarily take place. No, I agree. And no, I know Ricky, so this is funny, you know, with black people, when we're watching a scary movie, <laughs> right? We're sitting there watching a scary movie. And your first reaction when you hear that music, you're like, get, you know, like, run. Exactly. Right? So it's like that gut feeling. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And so so sometimes you got to react to those and we get it. But again, I think Allison Doyle does a fantastic job listing these these reasons in her article here and i think that again we will touch you know on some of these absolutely and if you if you want to see the article or see other resources on this topic you can absolutely go to our website at uh, secrets.com and and we'll have more information for you there you know so far this has all been about us and today we decided to mix it up a bit and bring on a guest to help bring our point home, we asked one of my longtime mentees, Charlie, to join us and talk about when he decided to leave his job and go back and pursue his MBA full time. I work in a finance transformation role. Before that, I was the director of FPA. I was with Deloitte for quite some time, about eight years. Five of that, those years were was in strategic analytics, was kind of an internal consulting team with a bit of a analytics and finance bent to it. All internal operations and efficiency focused. And then I'd started with Deloitte in the strategy consulting practice based in New York City. I'd gotten recruited off the off campus in the MBA program at Johnson School at Cornell to join Deloitte. So that kind of brings us back to the story of jumping from my previous job before school and going to Cornell, which was a big adventure. And Keith was kind of there along the way as a, a fantastic mentor to help me navigate that move. How did you even get to that point of trying to decide if you wanted to go back and then some of the the thought process of kind of getting to that decision point? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd started out my career as an engineer. So I was a mechanical engineer. I joined Kodak right out of my undergrad graduate program as a combined thing. I was pretty fortunate. So, you know, Kodak was already not in great shape at that point, but they were still hiring through these rotation programs. So I got to join one of two rotation programs that were engineering or science focused and got a great flavor for a big company and different types of engineering roles. But I was really lucky to end up in the analysis team that I did, which is exactly the kind of work I wanted to do going through my engineering education. So it was computational fluid dynamics and finite element analysis. Worked like an internal engineering consulting team, you know, jumped onto development projects or manufacturing projects that needed help with modeling a mechanical situation or a fluid situation. So it was really interesting stuff. Got to do that really quick. I mean, most of the team was PhD, were PhD folks who had been there 15, 20 years. One of them kind of took me under their wing as a technical mentor. And, and I got to do the engineering stuff really quick that I was hoping to do. But then I was there probably around three or four years by the time I met Keith. And I kind of just looked around. And I'm like, all right, so this is it. Like everyone had been there like 20, 25 years. I'm like, all right, so either I make a change, I need to figure out another path if I don't want to do this because otherwise I'm just going to be, you know, 20 years go by and I'll be like, not, not that that was a bad thing. I just, it's like, there's got to be more than, than this work. I've, I've been there four years. I loved it, but I was like, all right, I'm getting itchy feet. I need to do something different. Mm-hmm. 
And so when you started thinking about going back to school then and get your MBA, what were you thinking? What, were, what was your thought process? That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, that's kind of where you come in, Keith. That was right around that time where, and I was talking to some of the other young engineers that were had a similar viewpoint as me, but like, I wasn't 100% sure that an MBA was the right way to get there. But I think in conversations with you, you know, that really helped solidify for me in my mind, coming from such a different pathway at that point in engineering, that it was one of the best and quickest pivot points to, to kind of change gears and get on a more business finance focused career path. One of the things that was, you know, and I've done all the research I could reading, you know, the MBA blogs and learning as much as I could, like, what are the salaries look like? What are the career paths you can do? What is the cost of an MBA? And like, you know, where do you need to go? One of the things I, I landed on pretty quick is I've got to go to like a top 10 program or it's probably not worth it. The combination of the, the networking and the, the opportunities, who comes on campus to recruit, and they will publish. The thing I cared about most was what, what are the career paths that are majority recruiters and what are they paying? Because they, they publish that information. So when you when you think about like this process, like you're going through this research, trying to figure it out, like how far in advance did you kind of start thinking about it before you actually said, okay, I'm going to probably pull the trigger on this around this time. And were you married at that time or were you, talk to us a little bit about that. Because what I'm trying to do is just trying to figure out the plan. So like talk talk a little bit if you can about like the timing of the plan and maybe some of the factors personal factors maybe that you had to kind of deal with before you said I'm going to do it. Yeah, no. So now I'm thinking about the timeline. I'm trying to remember when it was I met Keith, but like, I think it was a long, slow journey to be quite frank. <laughs> young and really wants to make a change and you know what you want to do, but it is a long road to go through the application process and make sure you go into the right program and, and all that. So and the other thing is you asked about my personal life and we had, uh, I'd gotten married September, 2006. So I was newly married. And my wife was just, so when, when I was really wanting to go, it was actually a year earlier than I actually went. And she, would, she was still finishing up her teaching degree and then going through the student teaching requirements. So I was kind of almost ready to pull the trigger a year earlier and then say, you know what, like, we can't move in the middle of you finishing out your degree and getting a job. I mean, if we, if we stay put, we can get a job through one of your student teaching, get some actual, like a year of experience. It'll be a lot easier to move somewhere and then get another job versus disrupting her program. It didn't make any sense. So I had to be patient for sure. And I think it just gave me more time to do more research. And honestly, I think that that also gave me a lot more time, you know, working with Keith and getting advice and perspective on what are the paths I could go down and what's important. What if, if I wanted to go down the consulting path, which was what I had kind of set my mind on, what do they care about? Like, what do they look for? You know, I had a lot more perspective going into interviews when I eventually did do it. So the delay it was hard to be patient, but man, it really paid off to be more ready for those conversations. And because, I mean, the central question when you're making a move like that is, why are you doing this? And if you don't have a good answer, if you don't have a plan, to some degree, all those top programs are investing in you because you're going to help them look good. It's just as much as they're going to help you look good and get a, a good job. So they want to make sure they're picking the right people. When you finally made that decision and decided to make the leap, I mean, how'd you feel? How'd you end up leaving Kodak? You know, all of those types of things. Yeah, I mean, so there was a lot that happened, right? So, I mean, I worked a lot with you on essays and you were one of my recommenders. And my, actually, my direct supervisor was another one of my recommenders. So people weren't in the dark on what I wanted to do in terms of my work life. Like they were supportive. They understood what I was 
what my plan was and they were very helpful. I put a lot of work into, you know, I think I applied to five or six schools. They were all top programs. And I think the further it went, the more I get into interviews and like, it's, it's all these different phases of like pretty stressful stuff when you're, it was a completely new world, right? Like I'd come from a very technical world. I mean, quite honestly, other than Keith and maybe a couple of others at Kodak, I hadn't, hadn't had much exposure to like senior leaders in a, in a business, especially with different, you know, backgrounds like HR and marketing and finance. Like, so I didn't, you know, and I was going to talk to these pe- people and interview them with them to have them decide whether I was going to go to their school or not. Like it, it was pretty stressful. The comfort level that I gained just talking to Keith, you primarily, honestly, like asking you questions and really understanding what your role is like, what, what the business world was all about, gave me that enough of that confidence to just go into those one-on-ones and, and just say, hey, yeah, here's what I want to do and why. And when it got down to, I think your question was like, you know, what was it like kind of jumping? I was so ready at that point to be done. I was so excited about what was ahead. There were times I struggled to keep, you know, my day-to-day responsibilities and, and do what I needed to do in my current job. But, I, you know, it was important to me because, like, they were helping me do what I wanted to do as well. So, you know, I, I did my part to finish anything up I could or transition it to the right person. I certainly spent time networking with everyone I could to, like, kind of leave on the right foot and, like, leave with them remembering where I was going to go in case, who knows, you never know what path you're going to might take you back, right? Attribute that to like you being prepared and having that doing your research ahead of time and really planning that stuff out. I don't think you'd be a real engineer or a finance person if you were just flying by the seat of your pants, right? Like, I don't think that's like the, those are the characteristics for those functions. So, but so now you're, you're in school now, you're trying to make it happen. What are some of the challenges that you face? Like you're in school, are you, is there some things that maybe you're missing, you know, like uh, from not actually being in the work environment? Like is, you know, you had the stipend, whatnot, so maybe money, you probably weren't making the type of money that you're used to making, but you had something. But talk about maybe some of those trade-offs or maybe even challenges within the moment that you had to face. Yeah, there was definitely, there were definitely challenges. I'd say it helped that we lived in Ithaca, it's not very expensive compared to Chicago or London. Would have been a completely different financial scenario. My wife was working. She was able to get a job teaching in Elmira, which is 35, 40 minutes away. That actually is probably the biggest challenge was doing this. You know, you're, you're going into a program where there's about 300 kids or so kids, I mean, young adults per, per class, all type A, well, mostly type A, you know, climbing their career, you know, excited to be in a program and that's a huge social shock to your relationship. You're trying to fit in. There's all kinds of different people, you know, from folks with, you know, their family's names on one of the buildings to other end of the spectrum, like myself, like first, you know, my parents didn't go to college, came from a small town, a huge spectrum of people. You're also trying to rebrand yourself a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm not an engineer anymore. I'm, I'm a business person. And, you know, that all puts a strain on your relationship. And that was a challenge. Like we, it wasn't easy for us as a couple going through, the program we made it through, but man, it was it was that was one of the big challenges. It's like, especially her working every day and me, you know, back on student schedule, which is like, hey, it's happy hour on Thursday, basically, you know, <laughs> party and know people. And and it's and it, and the NBA program is very busy 
of all hours, right? I mean, you got class today, but like the heart of the reason you're there is to change your career, get a new job. And, and it starts almost instantly. Like there's people coming on campus, and get to know this company and that company. And like, you feel obligated to go to all these things and you, and there's clubs and other activities and you, you, there's so many things stretching you. And that was, that was a big challenge in and of itself. Just, I was used to a pretty nine to five or eight to five, whatever, like not a crazy lifestyle. And, and it was pretty consistent. And this was just, man, I could go, there's like five things I could do, be doing at any given time. And that was a challenge. And personally, like the timing wise, this was, I went in the fall of 2008 to business school, thought consulting was going in. That was my plan. Didn't know anything about investment banking, but other than, Hey, it's finance, it's analytical and they make a ton of money. I should tech this out. And then the, the, you know, the meltdown happened in the fall after I'd already sort of started going that road, down that road for internships, the meltdown happens. I should have jumped ship and went back to consulting and stayed back on the path that I had thought about like but that was the first early you know honestly failure like i the internships dried up like if you hadn't had any prior experience or you just weren't the number of internships got cut probably down less than in half right so i had to like then scramble do a plan b it worked out i had a pretty interesting finance role at a pharmaceutical company but yeah that was a the first year was a, was bumpy for a lot of, for a lot of reasons those were some of them. the relationship one was the, the biggest you know it was challenging and you're trying to fit in as a couple. That was not easy. I don't know. That may be a question you might, what, what leads to is, what would you go back and do differently? Honestly, I would, <laughs> there you go. the only thing I would have changed is two things. One, I wouldn't have gone down the investment banking track. And two, I would have just been more comfortable in my own skin and not tried to blend in quite as much as I did. Like, you know, it should have been fine being not exactly, you know, just my own, my own self and different than, instead of trying to be what everyone thought, what I thought everyone expected me to be or wanted me to be or whatever. Well, I mean, I, but I think, I, but that, but that is part of like, I think we've all gone to business school and got post bachelor's degrees. Right. And that self-discovery is huge. You know, you go in there and you got these grandiose dreams and we still know people that we went to school with who are still trying to figure it out. You know, like it, <laughs> it just doesn't really work you know for everyone and and we're not the youngest right but a very very good story i definitely think um what you've said in your journey will resonate you know with some of our listeners um hell i'm thinking about you know what i was thinking when i uh went back to school and, and i went straight through i didn't take any time off but i always say well what if i would have got some work experience first you know and then went ahead and went like it's it's a lot to deal with on either side of it because maybe you don't have enough work experience where, you know, something like that. But when you think about it now, like, was it worth it? Oh, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Charlie, for bringing that hot fire. As you can see, careful planning, asking the hard questions, understanding the trade-offs, understanding your long-term career goals, and of course, having a brilliant coach like me are all critical to keeping your career on track when you're leaving your job. So your decision, whether you're deciding to leave for whatever reason it may be, has impact on your future. Yeah, I mean, the the impact to me, it's, it's comparable. Like psychologically, it's comparable to like a bad relationship. You know, you keep hoping that it will improve Although you have all the signs and the evidence that it will not. You're waiting on something to happen yeah. and it's not. You mm-hmm. know, so again, 
this can stifle you in many different ways. So Keith, like the moral to the story is we're kind of talking about this stuff is what for you. Yeah. I mean, just listening to all of this conversation so far, it's kind of like no matter how pissed off you may be or how ready you are to jump ship, you really need to be proactive and be mindful of planning your exit. Don't just make that irrational choice that I was about to make that day (laughs) when I was ticked off. Really think about this stuff and, and plan it through. Yeah. And I think that if you do not, Okay, if you do not, I mean, I understand everybody's situation is different, but there are some potential negative outcomes when you don't heed to some of this advice, right? I mean, number one, you can ruin relationships and credibility that you've gained. It took a long time for you to build that up. And all it takes is one or two things for you to just have all of that come crushed to the ground. Take a quick second. And you remember that lady, I don't know, everybody's probably seen that Crest commercial now where that black lady walks in with a smile on her face. (laughs) With the cake. The cake. (laughs) She's like, meet me in the conference room. (laughs) And she got the cake that says, I quit. (laughs) Please don't do that. (laughs) Because that's the best way to ruin a relationship and some credibility right there. (laughs) And at the end of the day, even when you're going through the process of looking for a job, you know, you got the interview, you're kind of waiting on the offer, you're feeling good about it, or you got an offer. So you you know they're going to give you the offer. Right. Or you need a background check before before us all finalize. Don't pull that trigger too quick. Not until you've signed. I mean, and especially, and especially now, think about now, we're going through all of this COVID-19 stuff. What if you were in the middle of the job interview or you were waiting for the offer letter and you knew it was coming, yep. and now all of a sudden they have a hiring freeze? For sure. now there's something else, right? I mean, you don't want to be in one of them situations like Minister Society. Remember oh, when Bill boy. Duke told my man, you know you done fucked up now, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> you don't want to be that dude. You don't want to be, you don't that, be dude. that dude. That's right. right. Like, so, so that's what I'm saying is no matter who you are, be mindful and plan out your exit strategies there and make sure that the proper things have happened Absolutely. You know, before you turn in that resignation. Turn, turn that in. That's uh-huh. right. And even how you do it, right? Because if you don't do this right, there's going to be some narrative that's created about you, and it may not be pleasant. But that narrative that's created is going to follow you for a long time yeah. if you're not careful about it. So you, you really got to be mindful of that stuff. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier in terms of some of the potential negative outcomes, I mean, again, if there's health concerns, family or personal relationship things that you have that you're dealing with, there could be plenty of opportunities for you to work out a plan, you know, whether that be through FMLA or whether that be through virtual workspace or something like that. Again, if you don't explore those options, it can actually cause health or personal relationships to you personally. Absolutely. And (laughs) can you imagine if you just quit your job and then you got to go home and explain to your husband or the wife that... With the green, the, the long walk home was at the, the green the, mile that's or right. whatever that's it was. Exactly. There's not going to be a check next week, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, How are we going to do that? Yeah, well, you're going to have to sit them down. Let me holler at you for a minute. That's right. <laughs> oh, you look good today. <laughs> Is that new? <laughs> All right. And I'm not an HR person, but people don't even think about this. When you quit and just walk out the door, yeah. you, you may even jeopardize your eligibility for unemployment benefits. So if you don't have a plan to transition you from one job to the next and you have a little gap there and you have to be without money, if you just walk out the door, the company's not going to fill out that form that says Ricky left on May 31st and he's now unemployed. 
Yeah, they will contest those. They will contest your ability to receive unemployment benefits. Absolutely. So, so Keith, again, we talk about these are like some personal feelings, some other things that we have here. This is that section. This is probably my favorite part of our show. Okay. Why don't you hit people up with the receipts? Ah, okay. The like receipts. they may not believe me and you, but this Cha-ching. is stuff. This is stuff that's out there. Okay. So this is if you think that you can just walk on in there and just quit your job one day, I wish somebody would. Right. And then you're gonna quit. Like, let's just just talk about the receipts, Keith. Hit sure. them with the receipts and tell them what this means. Absolutely. So just to summarize where we're headed here, first uh, we'll talk a little bit about even when you're thinking about quitting, if you're having a bad day like I had that one day, you're not alone, right? I'll share some receipts with you that just shows you're not the only one that's dealing with this. And then second, we'll show you why, as you're making a transition, if you're thinking about leaving, why being employed is absolutely critical to you getting that next opportunity. If you're not employed, it's going to be a lot more, a lot more difficult. And just jumping in there, just to kick this off, there's a 2019 uh, workplace satisfaction study by the Addison Group where job seekers were asked to explain why they left or why they're seeking a new role. And to get to that point of you're not alone, 81% said that they're just dissatisfied with their current role. 81%. 81%. Almost all. Almost all. <laughs> 79% said that they were just being passed over for a promotion. So they just pissed. We, right? we know the feeling. Right. 43% said they weren't satisfied with their career path. And 39% just said that their manager or the direct, direct supervisor was just giving them some static. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, 80% of the respondents said just one bad day at work would make them likely or very likely to start a new job search. So, <laughs> you know, so that was me. On that was edge. me on that day. On the edge. They got to have Ricky. And again, you just don't know what people are dealing with. Like, and I get it. Sometimes people don't even know what you're dealing with. Absolutely. You, you know, so we, we know everybody is on the edge. Absolutely. And being frustrated is universal. So you don't feel alone. This happens. So again, don't be ra- irrational. Right, um, right. And feel like you're alone either when you're thinking about leaving. Gotcha. So, so the one when you and I were talking ahead of time that kind of intrigued me was that study. I believe it was in about 2017. 17, by, yep. Yeah, by uh, economists from Columbia University and the Federal Reserve Bank, you know, in New York and Chicago, where they examined the job seeking activities of 2,900 people, right, mm-hmm. ages 18 to 64. Okay, so this is a wide wide range here. The results verified the old maxim that it's easier to get a job when you already have yep, one. And I've told my mentees that a thousand times when I think <laughs> about leaving. Right? Yeah. So it says employed workers were more likely to receive unsolicited contacts from a potential employer or a referral from a contact. So, I mean, again, we're talking yeah, about absolutely. LinkedIn. Yep. We're talking about all they of just those find random you. stuff. Like they just they, find you. They look you up. You right? got a job, they find you. Right. Their response rate from employers was four times that of unemployed applicants, and they got more than twice the interviews and three times as many offers per application. Wow. So again, don't leave a doggone job don't without a, a game plan, Without a game man. plan. That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> like, it's going to be a wrap. I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. Keith. I'm not making this, this up. This is this, stats. This, this is it. These are the receipts. These are the receipts. Take, the it receipts. What, take it for what it's worth. That's right. And that same study, I remember what kind of opened my eyes was 49% of job offers went to people with jobs 
but were actually seeking another job. When people were actually seeking a job, 49% of those job offers went to those folks. 26% people went to employ people not even looking for a job. So they headhunted and called. Yeah. And this is the person, this is what we call like the passive candidate. Right. You know, exactly. This person was probably already well-placed and it's like, and had they probably not been in that high statistic where we were talking about they really didn't want to take the call or it might have been that one day when they was like, man, I wish a motherfucker would. Exactly. Right? Like that might have been that day. Might have been that day. Where they took that call. And That's you, right. then you And we talk about this, obviously, when we, we're talking about understanding total comp and negotiating total comp. I mean, we talk about this in some yeah, of absolutely. our other podcasts and we say, again, you got to know your, your your market value. You got to know your market and value. And sometimes when you get these phone calls, this is how you get your market value. That's right. So you're just listening. That's so right. So that percentage of people were just listening. About just 26% listening. were just listening. Just listening. <laughs> so now you got 49% that were actively looking for a job, 26% that weren't looking for a job, and then you got another 9% of kids coming out of college or somebody's been pulled out of retirement, which means only 16% of job offers went to people who didn't have a job. The people who actually needed the who job. Who needed the job. <laughs> that 16% represented 40% of the applications. Wow. Of wow. people applying for jobs. And the thing is, even when an un- unemployed person gets an offer, they got lower pay, fewer hours, mm-hmm. less benefits. Oh, they know you need it. You know you're hungry. <laughs> right. They <laughs> you know hungry. you need it. You're hungry. They know, they know you so need it. if you take that back to episodes that we were talking about before when we were pointing out statistics where black women and people of color already have the highest unemployment rates they always already have the highest pay inequity and you compound it with the fact that if they're even seeking a job and in this position you're screwed Big money, big butt, big money, big money. No whammies, no whammies. Stop. <laughs> you just get Bam, double bam. whammy. Double whammy. It's a wrap. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. becomes a cycle and yeah. a system of Absolutely. that just continues all the time. So we want to, particularly for, for people of color and women, don't leave without a plan. Get your attitude in check sometimes. Get right? your attitude so, in check. So, Keith, I mean, those are just some, I'm still like kind of odd over 80% of the people who actually end up getting the jobs are people who already had jobs or, yep. you know, weren't even looking. Well, you know, looking. so it's a small window of people where this kind of works out for when you when you lose it. And we won't even get into if you haven't been setting up your contacts and building up your board of directors and all of these things. that that You you know, all of those things that matter that make that 16% more likely than the ones who haven't done anything. Right. right? That's right. But again, but before jumping in here, I want to just be able to kind of summarize our four secrets that we want to be able to share with our listeners today. Yeah. Okay. Number one, as we've been talking about, is we want to make sure that you have an exit strategy. I think we beat that in their heads already, but yes. <laughs> have an exit strategy. Number two, invest in your next strategy. Mm-hmm. Invest in your exit strategy and how you're going to navigate the next steps. Don't burn your bridges. Please don't. I mean, we Please talk don't. about it all the time, but don't, don't burn your don't bridges. Don't do it. Right? Lastly, your last impression will be the most lasting one. 
So please make it count. Make it count. Those are the four secrets that we're going to touch on today and to go into greater detail. For sure. For sure. And just on that first one about even when you're thinking about quitting, I mean, we've said this probably 10 times on this podcast, you have to have an exit strategy. As our interview with Charlie pointed out, even a seemingly easy decision like going back to get your MBA has lots of potential potholes. You know, thinking about your future income, your family, the debt you may have to take on, you know, the time constraints, the relocation, even the preparation to even go to school. All those things are really, really important to think about and plan out before you make that leap to leave your job. And a couple other examples, Ricky, I know just recently you were dealing with a family illness right, right, uh, that right. was going on. Just what, what kind of questions should people be thinking about if they're dealing with a personal or family? Yeah, family? I, I think you, you have to like really have a true understanding of like the health coverage that you have and any of the employee assistance resources or programs that your organization may have. You also need to know about FMLA, you know, yep. and those things, because again, you may not have to quit your job. Like you do have to engage your leadership team, your boss or human resources in trying to figure out the right strategy. That could mean maybe you could do some remote work. Yep. I mean, and especially given Absolutely. like our environment now, now yep. for the foreseeable future, you may have to do some remote work. You Some virtual working options may be available or it might be some reduced hours or it may be some caretaking options that might be available to you that your company offers. Again, that, that might be important to you. I think the other thing is, as we talked about relocation, I yeah. mean- yeah, I mean, I've relocated yeah, probably seven times in my career at least, mm-hmm. right? And just when you're thinking about relocation, the, the plan for that, even if the company is offering you relocation or the new company that you're thinking about going to is offering you relocation, it's things like, so what about my spouse? Do they get any kind of job assistance in right. terms of me moving? Because if I move and they don't have a job, then I still may be screwed, Right, at, you right. know, at the end of the day. Or it could even be like how many times, like until we find a place. I mean, you could be moving from a, a low cost living place to a high cost living yeah, place. How many times are they going to be able to fly back and forth until we can kind of find something? Like, yeah. What about plans for if you have children and you're trying to, they were right. in private school. Like those are all things that, again, you don't have to just quit. No, you, you know, don't you have, have to, to quit. figure those That's right, because you could work remotely. And as we said before, and I think the whole thing with developing this, an exit strategy is really thinking about how all of this fits into your longer term career goals as well, right? It's not just about just making that jump now because you're emotional or whatever the case may be or something right here in front of you. But really, how does this fit into your long term strategy of getting to the end game of where you want to be? Right, right. So, so as you as you're thinking about that, so that brings us to like we talked about was like investing in your plan, in your exit strategy, right? So, if that means, look, you've been at your job ten, fifteen, twenty years, and now it's time for you to do something different, you may need to invest in an executive coach. Absolutely. You know, maybe you, you take may, some of that thirty grand that you left on the table a exactly. long time ago. Exactly. Right? Go ahead and do that. You know, you need to fix up like your resume. Like, don't assume that you can do it yourself and spend 30 hours on it and still come up with a C product. You may have to invest or commission someone else to get a separate look into that. And the the two weeks that it might take you to do that document and get a C on it, somebody else could do this who this is their wheelhouse. They could spend a day on it, you know, and get it looking really good for you. In addition, with some of these services, they may be able to help you with your LinkedIn profile. They may be able to help you strengthen, you know, get your mouthpiece right and understand how to do your uh, good interviews 
absolutely. And so absolutely. again, when we say invest in yourself, you have to put some dollars down and some t- and some sweat equity. Right. So again, three to six months to do it, you know, well, it could potentially take you that, you know. Absolutely. So again, if you get a severance, if you don't get a severance or whatever the plan is, so it might be easier for you to do this while you're working. Yep. As we talked about before, sure. versus the pressure of trying to do this That's right. when you don't have anything. And Ricky, I'm just going to put a shameless plug in right now, right? So yeah. we can help you with this. <laughs> so if you need some help, you some, can call some, Ricky and Keith. Yeah, <laughs> some of you are listening right now and you'd be like, they helped me with this very thing. right? That's right. But but again, what I'll say is when I invested in myself, and I would know we talked about this at, in some of the other earlier episodes, it changed the game. Absolutely. You know, for me, it absolutely changed the game. Absolutely changed the game. So the the other one that we talked about was like, do not burn bridges, right? Oh, my goodness. The industry of your function is small. Small. Like, you it's never tiny. know you when know. you're going to run into someone, need someone to have someone ask you know, about, about you. you. I can't, being in human resources, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people that have worked for me, mm-hmm. worked with me, or that I've worked for. Right. And their profiles have either come across my desk right. or have been discussed in hiring discussions, mm-hmm. right? And again, I do have a memory like an elephant. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Not, and it's hard to forget when someone left you in a lurch or left the company in a bad way. In a bad way. way. And I'm sure some of you out there who are managers, you had a former employee call you and ask you if you'd be a reference. And that person was like, you're like, mm, they, they weren't one? a good performer or they left in the wrong way. And you just like, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's, it's like it's, somebody farted in your face. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it, what it's like is like your cousin that you know can barely keep a job is asking you, hey, they hiring down at your job? You're right. like, oh, man, oh, I don't man. know about I don't this one. Know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about this one. But again, not burning the bridges is so very important because, again, this is a small industry and we know, I can tell you, there's a very large percentage of opportunities that I know that yep. come up where people reach into their list of contacts that Absolutely. they've worked before because you want to be able to get the best working for yourself. Absolutely. And, and it's particularly important as you get further and further up the ladder, that work gets smaller and smaller and smaller and your name gets bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger. It does. It does. And so I think the fourth secret is when you actually say you're going to leave, Use that last two, three weeks, whatever it's going to be, to work the hardest that you've ever worked. So basically what you're saying is I shouldn't go on break. They shouldn't hear. They shouldn't walk by my uh, desk or my cubicle and I'm playing CeeLo Green. No. Fuck you. No, not they, at they, all. They don't don't, don't, don't do that. Okay. Don't, don't do that. I was about to push the play button that one day, but don't do that. So, so seriously, I mean, you really should take that time to leave like yeah. the best impression that you can. This is your brand. Ra- wrap it up. This is your brand that you're you're leaving them with that lasting impression. And that'll be the thing that sticks when that person comes back to Ricky and asks, hey, Joe Smith, what do you think about him? And all Ricky's going to be thinking about, like that last two weeks when this dude worked for me, he busted his ass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because, and and again, look, we know when people leave organizations, folks find cobwebs and things that didn't go right. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Because again, this this is your brand. So, Keith, look, man, I'm over here feeling juiced today. I'm just appreciative that we were able to turn two experiences, very different experiences that we had into 
a secret or a gem that we could deliver for our listeners for sure. here. So again, if you like what you've heard today, if you got something out of this, we ask you just to press that subscribe button. That's right. Tell your friends about it. Tell your mama and them about mama it. Mama you know, and then go ahead and just 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 subscribe, right? Because we have a ton of hot fire that we want to just keep on delivering. Absolutely. You know, to you. And again, just be sure to check out our website for more resources on this topic and many others. We have merchandise that we're putting out there and we're even doing some online courses and personal coaching. So check us out. We can help you. And that's what we're here for. Yeah. So again, we're so appreciative, but Keith, I got to tell you, man, I just don't have any more ice in my cup. Okay. You know? So I'm going to have to go ahead and handle that, that situation that I have Let's here. Let's get it done. <laughs> so, Hey, but again, we appreciate everyone. Keith, I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. So let's fill up our cups and let's get back at let's it. Let's get back at Thank it. You all. Take care. Thank you all for listening today. Hopefully you gained a secret or two that can be applied as your journey continues. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends and donate via Patreon. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.